Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live the Sage Life podcast with your host, me, Lisa Van Hera. And today I'm excited and honored to bring on a special guest to you. His name is Ben Kenny, and he's come on to share a story with you all that was something that I heard him share in a masterclass uh, probably in 2018, I think it was. And little did I know at the time that that story was going to be so impactful to me years later and kind of a reminder to listen to yourself, to follow yourself and follow what you need. Um, When times get tough, you get in a rut and you need to change your perspective. And I am excited to have this story shared with you guys directly from Ben And it really taught me along my way and along my journey that if you never take time for yourself, how can you know yourself? So I hope this inspires you to take time for you. And let's get started. Hi, Ben. So thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. And I am just so grateful you're here. As you may or may not know, like one of the things I've been doing is having past mentors that have been a big part of my life, at least for a phase of it, and having them on to just share some things that were really impactful for me with the intention of like really inspiring people with where they need to go in their life or where they might feel called to go in their life and giving them some kind of insight and inspiration. So with that in mind today, um, why don't we start off? Well, well, how did we meet? (laughs) It's been already a couple of years, more than a few years ago, actually. Sure. For sure. Um, I think that was 2018 in master class. Was it 2018 or 2019? I signed up for I think it was 2018 or 2017. You you were probably at Win Make Give or something, right? No, actually I wasn't. How'd you um, hear about Masterclass? Uh Facebook, actually. Oh, oh funny. <laughs> okay, cool. It brought through us the together. power of Facebook. It's kind of funny now that we're talking about that because I've signed up through a lot of different things by the power of Facebook. So yeah. Um, it's funny so, how you how you end up in a room wanting to learn something and you leave a room with a bunch of friends and people that you're connected with for life. So anyway, thank you for bringing me on the podcast. And uh, I'm honored to be here and to talk to your audience and hopefully give them a nugget that they can leave with. Thank you. Well, that that is exactly what I hope and intend to do is leave a nugget of wisdom, insight from our own personal journeys. And with one of those, I wanted to share specifically why I asked you to come on today is for that reason of masterclass. Masterclass was, um, like you said, I'm still friends with some of the people that were in that group. Um, I learned a lot about business, a lot about real estate. For those of the people listening that don't know, would you mind just giving a little bit of an intro about yourself and what you're in? Sure. Uh, and I'm a Washingtonian, born and raised. I've had really one solid career in my life. Prior to that, all I did was install cable TV. But for the last 20 years, I've worked in the real estate industry, everything from being an agent, which I still am today, to owning brokerages, to building technology, to hosting training events and masterminds like like you attended. Um, so I've lived and breathed in, in real estate and I think when you transform into from being a salesperson to being a business owner, you start living and breathing in things like leadership, 
and wealth building and tax management and self-help and health and like all these different types of things. So the journey brings us to where we are today, but my career as people would know me was from the real estate industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I so agree. Um, you kind of sign up for some of these things and get involved in some of these things and you have no idea where it's going to take you or where the path's going to lead you. And that's what's so incredible about reflecting back on the journey. And so with Masterclass, when I signed up for that, you know, I really didn't know what I was getting into, honestly. And I just knew that there was something telling me I needed to sign up for this. Um, it was kind of a big step being uncomfortable to show up and in a room of people that I thought were doing a lot more business and a lot more successful than me. But I figured it had worked that far that if I kept being around people I wasn't comfortable being around, then you know something's bound to happen and I'm going to learn some stuff. And I definitely learned some stuff. <laughs> I definitely learned some stuff. Um, yet one story I really wanted to ask that you share is that story about turning right you shared with us in Bellingham. And I didn't know it then, but that story was going to be so um, impactful for me as I went on for the next few years and just reminding me of the journey I was choosing and the path I was choosing and where that was going to direct me. So would you mind sharing that story about turning right? Yeah, for sure. I think we, we all end up in, um, situations sometimes that feel a little bit like a rut and the tendency of humanity is to continue walking in that rut because it's just easier than turning right and getting out of it. And if you don't turn right, then you just end up just kind of digging yourself deeper and deeper into this rut. So it was July of uh, 2019, I think. Um, and I had driven a really long ways, four or five hours to work on closing a deal that we were working on. And I left this individual's house who we're still partners today. And I was driving to the freeway and this freeway was I-90 and I-90 goes from Washington, basically East as far as, I don't know, it goes a long ways East. And I knew that once I got to the freeway, I'd have to take a left. And when I took a left, Lisa, I would, I would be driving for three or four hours and then I would head up North and I would end up at my home in Bellingham. And by that time it would be like one or two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't packed anything for a long trip. I knew I was going to be gone at night. So that was the amount of stuff I packed. And I, and I drove uh, to the freeway. And when I got to the freeway, instead of turning left to go home, I turned right. And I was mm -hmm. thinking to myself, I need a couple days of a break. I need a couple days to just mentally unplug. So I drove right, which in this situation took me east. And as I drove east, I stopped in Missoula, Montana. And uh, I love Montana. It's a place I could see myself living in the future. Uh, and my idea was that I would buy a fly fishing rod and a little bit of gear and stuff and some clothes because I had no extra clothes and a toothbrush and that kind of stuff. And I would spend a couple of days fishing. Well, when I went down to the river, the, it was really nice weather, but the snow had started to melt. So the rivers in that time of year were all flooded. 
and there was just no possible way to fish. So I thought if I went further east, I would uh, maybe run into a river I could fish. So I went on my way to Bozeman and walked around Bozeman for a couple of days and, and went to some art galleries and finally found a river I could fish with a gentleman that I met there and I went fishing with him. And uh, then I thought to myself, I should go to Billings because mm-hmm. I'm already out. And <laughs> and uh, I got to Billings and s- saw some friends and went to a movie. And then I, I realized that I had never been to Mount Rushmore. And Mount Rushmore is a phenomenal thing to see for all seven minutes that you're there. There's really like not much. So I jumped to Mount Rushmore. I'm like, oh, look, Mount Rushmore. I've seen it. Oh, I'm done got with a, that pretty quick. <laughs> I got an ice cream cone and, I, and I'm like, well, where now? And I went to the next little place and pretty soon I looked up and uh, I was halfway across the United States. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, by the way, to this moment, I hadn't told anybody back home uh, that I was gone. They all just thought I was working because I continued to do my work calls while I was driving. And um, I just kept going. And I ended up in Chicago and uh, upstate New York. And finally, I ended up in Connecticut. I decided to drive from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I get to Connecticut. And uh, I thought that I would go watch the sunset on the Atlantic Ocean, which I had never seen before. So I go out and I sit on the beach and my mom had just died a couple of years prior and there was a seagull there and that was my mom's favorite bird. And I, mm-hmm. I look up and I kind of feel like my mom was watching me there and, and I continue to watch and wait for the sunset. Uh, and for a, a gentleman that's raised on the West coast, that's seen the sunset every day on the, on the Pacific ocean. Mm-hmm. You never think about the fact that the sun doesn't set on the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> it rises. <laughs> Minor details. <laughs> uh, so I think the seagull was there as my mom saying, you're an idiot. And uh, <laughs> the sun rises here, it doesn't set. So anyway, once you get to the uh, Atlantic Ocean, you can't continue to go go that direction. So you got to take another right. So I took another right and I drove down the East Coast and made many stops and got to Florida and took a right before I got stuck in that panhandle and drove across the south of the United States till I hit California and I took a right and I uh, ended up home. But it was 59 days of reading about 40 books of stopping by. and Yeah, well, you're driving across Nebraska, you can crush three or four of them. Day. <laughs> yeah growing up in kansas myself i i understand that <laughs> it, it was 59 total days of of being on the road and uh reflecting and working on my health and eating better and just thinking about life in general and uh that was my first real as an adult opportunity to kind of unplug from my normal rut and try to reset myself and so people in my world know it is turning right uh, but i guess depending on where you lived you could have turned left but anyway the, the gist, the gist you made a big turn <laughs> the gist is just get out of the rut go go left or right but for me geographically i had to go right to continue my journey yeah yeah i love that so much and thank you for sharing that again because i haven't heard this exact story for a few years now and um um it sounds too like turning right was like something that you were feeling called to go do, but it was, um, 
like you said, getting out of the rut, but it was so much more than that. And I think one of the books that you mentioned you read was Untethered Soul, right? That was mm, one of them. For sure. Yeah. And that um, I know was one of the books you had us read in masterclass, if you remember or not. And I, I had read it once before, but then I went back and read it again. And that was another thing that really spoke to me of like, there's there's a different way of living. And I think that's what you're talking about is what I hear when you're saying get out of the rut is like, there's another way to experience things. There's another way to look at like what's going on in life. And we can't do that by doing the same things every single day, the same way every single day. Well said that book was a, a life-changing book for me. You know, the, the, it's a horrible book to read the first time. And I've probably gone through it seven <laughs> times in its entirety because it's just weird. And I'm not really like a weird book guy, but uh, I started finding myself, Lisa, in conversations quoting the book. Uh huh. And I'm like, ah, oh, it must have made an impact on me. So I had to go back and read it and dig deeper. Yeah. And then there's another book I read on my journey on my turning right trip, which was The Enlightened Gardener. Um, not the revisited one, by the way, everybody. They're, they're two separate books. But The Enlightened Gardener, that was another book. And between those two, it kind of changed a lot of my philosophy about thinking. I'll, I'll give you one anecdote from one of the books. Yes, please. Uh, I believe it was The Enlightened Gardener said, uh, if you were to fill a bucket with water, what shape would the water take, Lisa? The shape of the bucket. Shape of the bucket. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And he said, your uh, life um, is shaped much in the same exact way. And he said, unfortunately, it's your thoughts that become the bucket and your water is shaped by it. Mm -hmm. So if you're at some point in your world where your life isn't going good health-wise or work-wise or relationship or depression or whatever, whatever piece is broken in your world, and we're all a little broken, so no judgment there. I'm definitely broken. Um, it Maybe it's your thoughts that's, that's, that's making your life continue to take that shape. So if you want a different shaped life, you got to start by fixing your thoughts. Now, mm -hmm. the untethered soul takes a different direction and basically says, you are not your thoughts. You are the person that hears them. And right. which the is a weird, Yeah, the weird thing to think about, really. And um, so I, I, I rephrase it a little bit by saying, inside of me, there's two people that are not me. I call them good Ben and bad Ben. And good Ben tries to help me make the right decisions. And bad Ben tells me I'm stupid and fat and ugly and lazy and and whatever those things might be, and I should do that, and I should have an ice cream cone, and I should take a nap instead of doing my whatever, and I should procrastinate. And bad Ben is extremely loud in my head quite often. And good Ben is just trying to fight its way through the noise. And the reality is, is that I'm neither one of those. I'm just the one that's hearing those voices. So if mm -hmm. you can find a way to silence those and get better control over things, maybe your life will start coming into being what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're driving across the United States, uh, you have a lot of time to think. You have a lot of time with no cell phone service. 
And there's a lot of time of either no thoughts or good Ben and bad Ben talking to you. And that was probably some of the benefits of having so much alone time during that journey. Um, mm-hmm. Being having lived in a world where I was always around people every single day, all day, there was 10,000 God a minutes every day. And there were just so many of those things. I never had time to think and to work on life. In fact, can I read you something? Please. I was, I was going to ask if you had anything good to share. You always do. Well, I hadn't looked this up in a long time, and I didn't know that you were going to talk about the turning right thing today. So I just pulled up my notes on my phone, uh, and I wrote something. I said, I visited over 30 states. I read over 40 books. I lost over 20 pounds. I ran into new friends. Uh, I ran into old friends. I spent a lot of time thinking, healing, rejuvenating my body, head, heart, and soul. I was looking for answers to questions I haven't even thought of yet. I didn't figure them all out, but I made a lot of important decisions and started some major life changes. I know I probably drove close to at least a hundred of my friends and family. And yes, I know I didn't stop to see them all. I'm sorry a little, but honestly, this trip wasn't about you. It was, a, it was selfish. It was about me finding me and getting my groove back. I read enough books to earn an MBA. I walked and hiked enough to wear out a pair of boots. And I got some more work done than I had in the whole year I had worked while being home. And as I went through, uh, let me continue reading. Uh, First and foremost, though, when things in your life are adding up to what you imagine, stop the habit of turning left. Try another direction. For me. I went right four times and for 9,000 miles. And then in the end, it finally led me home. So. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, it's some random note on my phone, but. Uh, I feel the heart in it though. Really genuinely. I do. Sometimes all the answers you're looking for are actually already at home and already in front of you. Sometimes you got to take a little bit of a walkabout before you realize it. Amen. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, And it's ironic because that's something you wouldn't know, but that was something I started to realize myself that everything I was looking for was already, was already here, was already in me, was already accessible. Um, I just had to turn in as the untethered soul talks about turn in and reflect on some of that, explore some of that. And um, it's not an easy thing for people to do. I think that's where what really resonated earlier when you said you just always had God a minute, you're always around people. I think that relates to most humans, maybe not all, but most in the sense of even the stay-at-home moms that are always around their kids or um, taking care of the household or going to mom meetup things. It can relate to so many different people and where they're at in life. And we get so used to being around people and um, maybe even thriving on some of that more than we realize. But if we can take a minute and a moment just to break and walk away and have time alone, that's where some of that magic can happen in the sense of, you use the word selfish, And I think that's a word that could be redefined of like, 
selfishness isn't actually being selfish. If we're being selfish in the sense of it's to connect, to reflect, to get space for yourself, it can actually be such a huge benefit to everybody around you. It's a benefit to your work, to your employees, to family, to friends, because then you're showing up more present, more whole, more in connection with whatever whatever it is that you really want to do. Like you said, you asked so many questions to yourself and you didn't have all the answers. Um, and that's something that we've talked a little bit about on this podcast, but just of the more questions you can ask yourself, the more you're going to find out about yourself, the more you're going to find out about what you want in life, the more you're going to discover where you want to go. You don't have to have the answers, right? That's They're often... Uh, something that starts to emerge, it may not emerge. Is there anything else you would add on to that with, um, with your reflection, with your journey to that and anything that came up like after the fact, how did friends and family respond yeah. or colleagues to that trip? I got a bunch of things going through my head right now. I can uh, see that. <laughs> I'm you sure what, you're you're making me reflect on a on a good time in my life. Um I was just thinking about actually uh funny enough falling in love and which is a weird thing to say out loud, but I, I was thinking about how so many people fall in love and they do it by going on dates and having adventures and asking questions and sharing these these amazing things with each other. And then when people get in love, they stop. And how could you imagine staying in love with someone when you stop doing the things that made you fall in love? Mm -hmm. And so many people like recluse back into this habit of staying home, not doing anything, not taking a break from the kids to go on a date, like not doing any of these things. And they wonder why over time people drift you know, away. Drift yeah. away. So as I say that, I'm also thinking about like all the things that we do well health-wise and um, we do all these habits to get healthy and then once we get to that point where we consider health we stop mm -hmm. and then we end up back in this unhealthy thing mm -hmm. or in business we do all these things to drum up business and then we get busy doing business and then we stop doing the things that drum up business and then we wonder why we don't have business mm -hmm. um, so as much as i think we need to turn right sometimes and disrupt our patterns. I think we also need to realize what are the patterns that led us to the good parts of our life. And sometimes when you're having a hard time, you tend to try to blow up everything and there's <laughs> casualties in that war. And anybody listen to this, uh, you might relate to that statement. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if you so can't the see the video, I'm nodding right now. Yeah, so you're the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. Um, I think that's part of it too, is like when we do go through big changes, there is like this underlying, um, feeling sometimes of like wanting to burn, burn the boats and burn everything down and start totally over. Um, I can say I might have possibly done that. Um, <laughs> but you still, even with that, I still learned from it and I still learned from, well, why did I do that? What was the point of it? What did I gain from it? What did I lose from it? Um, still 
a different version of turning right, I guess, but just burning everything down. Yeah. Well, that's how the Phoenix emerges. Yeah. Out of the fire. Sometimes <laughs> it's needed. No judgment here. Lisa. <laughs> well, thanks right. for that. Cause this is uh, all about when we have shared some um, episodes before, a lot of it is about like non-judgment and realizing just how much judgment we do have on all these decisions, all our mistakes, all our um, habits, patterns, all that kind of stuff. And it's really getting the gift of so much of it is removing the judgment and removing some of that. Like I should have done this. I should have done that. Or I have to do this or I have to do that. And looking at, well, is this something I've adopted that's serving me? Or is this something I've adopted that's hindering me? So that I appreciate the non-judgment. <laughs> one of the books I read on my, on my trip, and it was probably one of the books that I assigned you all in master class was um, about emotional intelligence. Uh, and, yes. And I spend a lot of time thinking about emotional intelligence. It's kind of like a, a buzz phrase in the leadership and business world right now. But mm -hmm. emotional intelligence has, I think, five different characteristics that people think about um, that, that we should be working on. One is uh, self-awareness. And self-awareness is our ability to be aware of the things we're doing that are causing us the good and bad in our life. Mm -hmm. These impulsive things or these things that we do that are harming relationships or helping relationships. And uh, I've really been working on the last couple of years becoming more and more self-aware, self-aware of the negative and the positive things that I bring to the table on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, being gone for two months, you you see the negative things that you brought to the table fade away because I wasn't there in my business to bring that to the table. Mm -hmm. The second part of emotional intelligence is self-regulation. Once you understand uh, these things that you do, what can you do to better regulate it, to put controls on it? to uh, limit your negative impact on people or to enhance the positive impact you have on the people around you. Self-regulation is important. It's a, you know, being self-aware isn't enough. You got to, you got to be willing to do something about it when you struggle. Uh, there's a social aspect uh, to emotional intelligence. There's a motivational aspect to uh, emotional intelligence. And the last one is empathy mm -hmm. and empathy is uh, something that I work on probably more than anything because uh, I'm not naturally empathetic in, especially in probably work scenarios because I've always worked hard. I've always showed up early. I've always been the last one to leave. I've always made an extra couple calls than the other person. Like why? Because that's what I was supposed to do. That was how I was raised. My mom was a janitor during the day and a waitress at night. She always worked two jobs. Like that's just, it was ingrained in me. And uh, I lack a little bit of empathy for other people when they're going through hard times because I probably naturally use work as a way to shield or ignore my hard times. Yeah. And other people just can't. So I'm trying to become more and more empathetic. And the way I do that is I simply say, uh, if I was in their shoes today, how would they be feeling? If I was in their shoes today, what do, what do I think they're going through? How is that affecting their family or their friends or their relationships or their health or their mindset or their motivation or their career? 
And that simple exercise allows me to have so much stronger and better relationships because mm-hmm. I'm coming from the very first moment from their seat, not mine. Uh, yeah, that is so great. And what I love too about what you're sharing there is that it's so simple. It's keeping it so simple. It's not complicated. It's not like a whole list of things to think about or how to become aware. It's just putting yourself literally in the other person's shoes. Um, so with that, has that greatly changed, would you say, your relationships in business or life? just having a little bit more compassion or you used empathy for whatever their viewpoint is. You uh, were in master class with a guy named David Wiggs uh, who runs one of our tech companies. And David is still a, um, a partner of mine and a close friend of mine. And uh, it was like a year, year and a half ago, he came to me and he said, our world continues to get bigger and bigger and you continue to get calmer and calmer. <laughs> and, uh, I remember that because that was a compliment to me because I've not been a calm person a lot of my life. I've been impatient. I had a temper. I got angry. I get frustrated. I would say things I didn't mean, but none of that is serving me. I'm becoming more self-aware that that didn't serve the people around me or serve me in any way. So I'm finding ways to regulate it and I'm becoming calmer and calmer in the midst of chaos Mm -hmm. because I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny thing I was going to ask is, is that because it was necessary with business and life or is that because it's, it seems like, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 44 and it's like around the forties age, it seems like we all kind of look at life a little bit differently. We have to, or if we choose to, I guess we don't have to. It's probably because I have low testosterone. That's probably like the biological reason of of why I'm calmer and calmer. Um, But yeah, it's probably age. It's probably maturity. It's probably some chemical imbalance in my body. But also it's... uh, All the above. I got tired of coming home and being unhappy. I got tired of allowing all the things that happen at work to be like this the slime that stuck to me. And then I would bring it home to the people I love and care about. And Mm -hmm. I would slime them. And the challenge with that is the bigger you build your life, the more common each one of those things are negative things are to happen to you. And if you allow them to continue to affect you that way, you're saying I'm signing up for a life of being unhappy. So you got to get calm about it. You know, I read a lot of business books and I even went to college for a while. They never talk about leadership being dealing with drama and dealing with stress and dealing with people's adultery or abuse or substance problems or suicide or cancer or life or kid issues. Or they never tell you that that stuff is what leadership is. And as you build a bigger world, you run into more and more of those situations and Mm -hmm. it could very easily drag you down with it. And Mm -hmm. I just, you have to be a little bit like a windshield and let the water run off you, not be empathetic and, and, and help, but you can't bring it home with you. Yeah. You can't absorb it all. Yeah. Like, like the movie, the green mile. Did you see that? 
Yes. Where he like he would suck in all of the uh, uh, sickness from the people that he was around yes. and he could heal them. But over time, it actually killed him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's rather ironic that you use that reference and brought that up because that was a conversation I was just having um, this past weekend with somebody about being present with people, having empathy, as you were saying, compassion, communicating with them and not taking on their pain is what this other person had referenced it as. And um, because by taking on their pain, you're not doing them any favors either. You're just trying to appease and make the situation better. They have to process and work through whatever's going on in their life. But you can be there as a friend, as a co colleague, as a boss, whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's, uh, I'm so glad you shared that. And I would love to add more to that another time, I think, on how we cannot take on people's pain. What does that look like? What does that mean? So you were using the reference of the windshield. It's just like you're visualizing it almost as you're you're there, you're witnessing it, but you're just letting it all just kind of slide off like rain on a windshield. Is that what you would say? Yeah, if for one reason. I think I can handle it but I don't want to bring it home to everybody else that can mm -hmm. um, and, and, and bring it home or bring it back to the office, to my coworkers, or bring it to going. my leadership or bring it to my employees. Like I, I just don't, th I think that my job is to not do that. Mm -hmm. And I also have to balance that with the fact that I'm a guy and this is probably an incredibly sexist thing to say, but uh, I'm not a girl. So I don't understand how girls work, but as a guy, <laughs> I immediately go into fix it mode. Oh, so, I do that too, though. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, so this is a gender neutral thing. This is good. I learned something. So I, I want to fix things. I used to do that. <laughs> and a lot of people just want me to listen. Yeah. So I have to find that balance. And sometimes I'm like talking to myself, like, is this a moment where they want an answer or a solution? <laughs> or is this a moment where I just need to shut up and listen and be a good friend? And I'm always trying to find the balance of that. No, yeah. I eventually always go to fix it. Because I always want to leave everything with a solution, but I, I'm I'm postponing that as long as I physically can. Yeah. To help them. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's as easy as asking a question. I think this is so practical for so many people listening is um, we all have scenarios like that with it's whether it's with a spouse or a sister or brother or mom and dad. And it's like we can see the solution or we can see what their problem really is. But 90% of the time, that's not what they want. They just want somebody to listen to them and acknowledge them and not try and fix them. <laughs> so that's something I started doing with my kids. I would say, well, do you want me to listen? Or are you looking for a solution? And then it became super clear that then I knew which way to go with them. And it was a lot of work <laughs> to not try and give them advice, right? Because I want the best for them. I want them to... Um, thrive. I want them to, you know, not get hurt, but sometimes them getting hurt is for their benefit because they're going to learn from it, which is not easy as a parent or as, you know, just somebody that you care for and love so much. So I went to a friend's house last night and, uh, he, he has a, he's newly a grandfather and he just built his brand new house and he built this loft in one of the spare bedrooms where you climb up the ladder and then there's like this area for kids to to sleep yeah and he's like my wife was so so worried that the grandkids would fall off of that and he's like 
we were climbing trees and buildings and stuff <laughs> way higher and way worse than what we have here today. Like at some point kids need to fall a few times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of laughed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect example that it's easier said than done. I think, um, it's just so different now too how the kids grow up compared to like how we grew up, you know, everything. I didn't have a cell phone till I was like in college. So there's such big differences and you really want to protect them, but you got to let them, you know, get hurt. And most of the time too, when we're so afraid about whether it's kids or loved ones getting hurt, it's really that we easier speaking as a mom, I don't want to feel like I was a bad mom or that I did something wrong as a mom when really that's, not what it's about. They, they need to learn how to make their decisions and get hurt and learn how to get through that. So that's yeah. a whole nother tangent. <laughs> For sure. We could go off in a lot of directions today. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, is there anything you want to add in closing? I think this is the perfect place to end with the story you shared today. Thank you for sharing your notes on your phone. And I, I did want to say one thing of just that. I, I hope people listening to this continue to be inspired by whether it's Ben's story or another story you've heard or read about. It's like those times that we maybe are faced with something we really want to do. And we really feel in our heart or our soul that we're like called to do. It may not show up how we think it should, or it may not show up how our family thinks it should. But by listening to that calling or that direction that you need to go, it's like, it really can lead you to such insight, such redirection, such reconnection with yourself, your heart, your soul, yeah, and where you need to go next. Beautifully said. I think if anybody anybody leaves this podcast with a message from you and me today, it's uh, probably do something about it. If you feel like you're in a rut, do something about it. If you feel like something in your life needs to change, do something about it. Like the 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 situation that you're in right at this moment isn't the worst thing. The worst thing is waking up in five years and realizing you're still in it. Mm -hmm. And just all think about that. The financial situation, the relationship, the health, the whatever is not perfect in your life. It's not bad. What's bad is still being in that same spot in five years because life is finite. It's going quicker and quicker. I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, and time is flying faster and faster and faster. Yes. Very well said. Again, I think that's one of the amazing things about listening to you speak is you keep it simple and it, that simplicity is so relatable to so many people. So um, thank you very much for that. Thank you for sharing the insights today and your story. And thank you for being here. Of course. My honor. Thank you so much for joining us today here on this episode. We're grateful to have you here. And with that, before you go jump into the next thing in life or the next thing in your day, just asking yourself, what is one thing that you can take away from this episode and integrate into your day, into your week, or into your life? And utilize the information shared here today to impact you in your journey. If you would like more information on our special guest today, Ben Kenny, you can find information in the episode notes with links and more information on what I offer as far as workshops, coaching, 
more podcast episodes. You can find all of that at www.livethesagelife.com. Thank you for listening.